Now we're recording there, and we're about to go live in three, two. I don't know if we're live or not, because I never know if we're live or not. Hello, God bless, and welcome. I'm Kevin Haggerty. You're watching The God Logic Project, where we discuss maintaining a Christian worldview in a post-Christian America. We talk about things uh, that everybody's talking about, but we try to do it from a Christian perspective. I think that Christianity deserves a seat at the table. Uh, we're talking Second Amendment uh, tonight. We're talking gun control. This is a bit of a, a hot topic right now. I'll introduce you to my guests. But first, the intro music. Hello, God bless, and welcome. I'm Kevin Haggerty, and this is the God Logic Project. Shut up, Kevin. That's right. I'm Kevin Haggerty. That's Mike Houston telling me to shut up like he does every week. Uh, we have a, a, a pretty... A pretty cool episode here. Now, I have three guys in the studio. One guy is actually in Orlando, I think, and he's coming in via the Zoom app. So we'll be, uh, we'll be talking with, us, with an attorney, uh, particular to the Second, right, the Second Amendment rights. Uh, I want to thank you guys before we get started. Uh, you've, been, you've been a great support on Amazon. People are going to godlogicproject.com, clicking on the Amazon logo, shopping as normal. And Amazon sending a couple bucks to the God Logic Project to help pay the monthly bills around here. If you want to be a God Logic Project partner, if you'd like to donate a dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars a month to help keep things going around here, anchor.fm forward slash God Logic Project. As always, thank you for subscribing. Subscribe, subscriptions are really big for us here. Uh, so I thank you guys for subscribing. I encourage you to subscribe if you haven't. And thank you for sharing our content on social media. Help raise, raise awareness for the God Logic Project. All right, live in studio, I have uh, a face you're probably going to recognize. Jim Howard is practically the co-host of the God Logic Project at this point. He's been on so many times. Jim, introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Jim Howard, of course. I'm here in Trinity, Florida. I am the executive director of a ministry called um, Trinity Security Allies, where we go around the country educating churches on how to set up safety teams and how to protect themselves. Right, and you are uh, uh, NRA Firearm I am an instructor, NRA instructor and a state and, certified, or and something? I'm also a state certified instructor. Which to me, nothing against the NRA. The NRA is a class and go out and shoot a couple of rounds. To be a state instructor, you have to go through kind of a a, a really di hard, yeah, uh, you know, shooting course. It's kind of funny. I walked up and started shooting, and some guys were leaving, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm hope I'm not that bad, but did qualify for it. I've been doing uh, firearms training out at the academy. I'm also lead instructor when what they call the equivalency training. That's where officers from other states uh, come here and want to become certified. Mm -hmm. So we have to get them through the firearms course, lead instructor there. So been playing with guns for over uh, 38 years. Really, I mean, when I was small, my dad had some. But uh, really have studied this and, and know a little bit about this and how yeah, you're really people. plugged into this stuff for well, sure, yeah, far, I mean, by my estimation. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of pay attention to what courts are doing and things like that. So, you know, we see a lot that happens around here right now. Uh, and then uh, uh, Jeff Jeff Miller, because you use three names on Facebook, it screws me up a little bit, Jeff. But Jeff Miller, tell them who you are, buddy. Well, I'm, uh, I'm out of Fort Ritchie, not too far away from here as well, and... I'm running for county commissioner, and I'm a general contractor for a remodeling company called Home Love Construction, and I'm just here to kind of chime in tonight. And you are running for county commissioner here in Pasco County, yes, right? Sir. And so, uh, as it turns out, we were working on, a, on an episode with Jeff Miller when he heard we were doing the Second Amendment episode, 
wanted to sit in on it. So that's awesome. So we got uh, we got real heavy hitters. Uh, and talent like this, by the way, doesn't work for free. I had to feed you guys. Uh, except for this guy. I didn't have to feed this guy because he didn't make it. Uh, this is uh, James. Introduce yourself, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, my name is James Simmons. I'm the owner of the Simmons Law Group. Uh, we'll f we're a full-service personal injury law firm here in Orlando. Uh, my apologies about not being there live. That's actually what we were doing today. We we're fighting the good fight. So yeah. <laughs> uh, drug us along a little bit. Well, it's good to have you. And now we're doing your the. You're going out nationwide right now, buddy, because, uh, and in fact, probably it should be God Logic International now or God Logic Global because I get viewers in Indonesia. So in, people in Indonesia, I don't know what language they, they must speak in English there, uh, but they, we get a lot of viewers for some strange reason in Indonesia. So you are going to be worldwide after this episode. That's going to be nice. Yeah, so that's awesome. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> well, in Florida, a lawyer in Florida stays pretty busy. So uh, uh, we're going to be going to James. James <laughs> is our true. is our legal expert. We'll be going to James on the regular. Uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be switching screens and and talking about different things. Uh, now, what we're going to talk about tonight, guys, is the Second Amendment. So I thought it might be wise that we actually let people know what the Second Amendment is. Now, I'm I'm sure James Simmons has this memorized, but some people don't. There's the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Uh, I think the key there, and we'll talk a little bit about this, but the key there for me is shall not be infringed. It implies that that right to keep and bear arms preexisted the Constitution. In other words, be it a, a, a right brought over from England or a right that they saw as a God-given right to self-defense, they didn't establish your right to keep and bear arms in the Second Amendment. They protected a right that already existed. So that uh, shall shall not be infringed, I think, is key there. Now, uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think they were thinking? What do you think the founding fathers were thinking when they put that together? Do we really need a well-regulated militia in 2020? I mean, it, it's a little bit of a, a tricky situation. Well, I, I think it is kind of a tricky situation. You know, you had a political candidate that was running, that was telling people that he was going to come and take your yeah. guns from your home, Yeah, uh, it was a little scary. I mean, you know, we knew he wasn't going to go that far, but just the thought process on that or people paying attention. You know, would there be a knock on your door one day saying, hey, I'm looking for your, you know, whatever, He, you know. And the lack of the lack of protest from anybody on the right in, in terms of on the left in terms of protecting the Constitution or let's talk about this or let's be reasonable about this. I heard nothing. Nobody on, on CNN or MSNBC said that's going a little bit too far. That's something that we should really talk about. Uh, he said, hell yeah, I'm going to take your AR-15s and your AK-47s, and, and people loved it. So I don't think it is a, I don't think it is a fringe idea to, take away, to, to uh, uh, take away our Second Amendment rights. Yeah, we've eroded it for quite a while to where people don't try to protect that right like they should. Yeah, and it is, uh, it's scary. Now, there's a lot of arguments, and I'll, I'll kind of be playing the devil's advocate here. I'm going to bring in. I'm going to bring in James real quick. Uh, what is your take on the on the intent of the second uh, Second Amendment, James? Well, um, you pointed out a, a pretty strong word there when it when they say it shall not be infringed, and uh, shall in the legal context context, excuse me, is more of a um, like it's it's a definitive term, meaning mm -hmm. that it it must 
you know, it, or it won't be infringed. It's not a maybe yeah. or, or something of that nature where it's, it's, it's ambiguity there. There's no ambiguity with the word shall. And so, um, you know, this was obviously a important and a significant right. This was something that was very important to the founders and something that was contemplated as being something that needed to be protected. And it had to have that type of a powerful word behind it. And so from my perspective, um, regardless of all the rhetoric you hear about taking away guns and all those other things, uh, what most people need to understand is once it's been incorporated in that fashion, um, it's going to take a whole lot more than just some chance or things to get people riled up. I mean, you're going to, you you know, it, it, it would take amending the constitution to be able to deal with a, a issue like that. And it's, it's, uh, and just to jump on to what he just said right there. And that is a major, major, major event. I mean, you're talking about, what is it? Two thirds that you have to have before you can do something like that. So, I mean, that's just, you know, for him to say that it was almost comical really seriously. But it is a little bit scary because of some of the things that we've seen that have happened where we look at, you know, some of the other rights along the way. So it, it's just, you know, something that we really need to make sure that we pay attention to. Well, the it takes a it takes a supermajority in super majority, right. in the Senate. And is it, is it just a is it just a majority in the Congress? How does that work, James? Um, so it would be a, a majority of the the Congress or the House. So it would be, it would be both, both parties. Right. But it's uh, in the, in the Senate, it's, uh, it has to be approved by the States as well. Yeah. It has to be constitution. It can't, it isn't. Oh yeah. Then it has to be ratified by each. It has to be ratified. Yep. So that is, uh, that's not an easy thing to do. So, but they thought that, that it was, they were wise enough or had forethought enough to put a way of amending the constitution in the constitution. Uh, but that does, that by itself doesn't make it a, a, a living document. In other words, it's not designed to, be adjusted every year to suit our our, our changing lifestyles. Sure. That, that's my uh, my big thing is, and Antonin Scalia is a guy that I, I, I've seen a lot of interviews with, and I'd like to read his book but the uh, if I ever have time. But he, he didn't care so much uh, uh, what they meant when they wrote it. He only wanted to know what they wrote. He was a textualist. Right. It, it, it doesn't matter what you think they thought. What they, they, they talked about a lot of stuff, but they only wrote this down. That's what we go by. Well, and I, and I think... Go to speaking to the state of mind of what the founders said. The Declaration of Independence is pretty darn clear on what their intent was. And it says it right, second paragraph, going down, that uh, the governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or establish it and institute a new government, mm. laying its foundation on such principles. And, of course, at this time we were talking about England. Yeah, yeah. But And we were talking about muskets. So <laughs> it's a little bit different now. It is, but that's what England was using was muskets. That was the firepower of the right, day. That right. cannons we used. And that's and who they would be. They'd be fighting with. The, and, in fact, if we... God forbid we ever rise up against our government. Uh, they're going to be well more equipped than the than the people will be for sure. The upside of that is uh, there's what 300 million firearms and 75 million gun owners. That's a pretty big army if and, they know how to actually use them. Right, and the irony of even that statement is, is that 
you're, we're separating the government from the people in our form of government. Is of the people in the first place. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. we're kind of going down a different path. Yeah, here that's right a little now. crazy. This is, this is, that's a little, know, it's a little early to get that crazy. Well, yeah, we're starting to talk <laughs> militia here and all these things like this. Let's kind of come back but, to where we're, you well, know. The Second Amendment. Mentioned. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're not fighting England anymore, guys. Let's just remember this, all right? Oh, we can so. kill England in a fight. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we, we just can't beat them in a soccer game. Yeah. <laughs> We've had to we've had to go over and save them a couple of times, you know. <laughs> Let's be real here. All right. Well, so. the uh, well, uh, so they 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 always talk about the the catchphrase is is reasonable gun laws or sensible gun laws. Now, how do you argue with we should have sensible gun laws? Because most people believe we should have sensible gun laws. The argument I think becomes what's sensible to you. So to me, I don't have a problem with owning AR-15s and. and uh, I would have probably have a problem with rocket launchers and and you know, uh, A10 warthogs. We can't have heavy artillery and stuff. But you can buy a tank. Yeah, you can buy a tank. <laughs> but the uh, so where do we? What's a reasonable gun law? What's a sensible gun law? Where does that fall? Well, okay, we got to take a step back. And James, you can jump in here when you when you want to on this. When we go and take a look at a lot of these people that they're talking about mass shooters and things like that, the laws that we have in effect should have caught some of these guys we go back and take a look at the parkland shooter he he had a he had a close contact with law enforcement all the time he should have never been in the position he was in uh you know he boasted online that he was going to be the next school shooter nobody took him serious on these things but when you when you talk about some of the laws like they talk about universal background check and i'm still trying to figure this one out i don't i don't know if that means that it's got to go go all over the planet to do a, a background yeah. check but we do the NCIC background check. Uh, you know, there's the, 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 some of the loopholes, they say, at gun shows. They'll tell you that you can go buy a gun from a gun dealer at a gun show without a background but check. You can't. you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. But if I'm standing there with a weapon and you come walking up and say, hey, I'd really like to buy that and here's cash, I can sell it to you without, it, without a background right. check. Now, you know, I, I've had several friends of mine that uh, – have asked me to help them with collections that they had to sell to people so they feel comfortable. And one of the first things I say right off the bat is I'm not selling to anybody unless they have a concealed weapons permit. What does that tell me if you have a concealed weapons permit? Now you've already done a You've background had a check. background check yeah. done on you. So I feel pretty confident when I'm doing that. And plus we do paperwork so I know where the gun goes so it doesn't come back to the original owner. But, uh, you know, I, 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 James, I, like I said, I want, I want to kind of get your opinion on it, this because I don't know what else we can do as far as background checks or laws that can be written that would prevent any of these things that have already happened. And see, you know, from my perspective, um, you, you hit on it. I mean, when it comes to the law, everything is looked at as to the reasonableness of not only the, the act or, or what someone committed, but even the reasonableness of, of the application of that, of that law and, and how it affects a certain class of people. Um, you know, does it discriminate against a certain class of people or, or how does it affect them? Um, you know, and, and there are various tests that go along with some of these constitutional issues to see whether uh, this is something that is constitutional. Um, and I would be very... Uh, like you said, you have to be very cautious of what implementation you put as to background checks or um, even limitations in, in purchasing assault rifles, things like that, because it, it does come close to infringing a, 
constitutional right, right? And so you you have to look at um, some of those reasonable tests, those those reasonableness tests that that, that always come up when we're you know trying to figure out if something is is um, you know fair. And you know when you're background checks and things of that nature, I think the focus should be um, everyone knows the problem is folks who are abusing their right to bear arms. All right. These mass shooters, these folks who go into clubs or go into bars that are shooting up and, and, and shooting people up or, or, you know, committing crimes. Those aren't the guys that are getting the background checks. Those aren't the guys that are, these laws are going to catch those guys anyway, uh, generally, generally. Right. And And so it needs to be more of a reasonable test, reasonableness test of what can you implement to focus and hone in on those folks who abuse that right. Um, and so that's why when we're talking about the argument, I do lean sometimes to the, the argument about, well, mental health or, or some of those things. Now, obviously, those are amorphous areas, and you even need to, to break that down. But at least you're at least going at the heart of the issue that there is something that is causing certain folks to abuse their right to bear arms. That should be where the focus is when you talk about the reasonableness of, of potentially infringing on a constitutional right. And that is something that the right would resist. That, that's what that kind of thinking, which I agree with, led to the red flag laws. But then how do we write those if my, if my uh, scorned ex-girlfriend says I'm, uh, I'm bipolar, can they come and take my well, gun? Okay, okay. I, I, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, let me give you first a personal experience real quick. When I was with the town of Bel Air, we had a lady that uh, called dispatch. She had taken a bunch of drugs. She was wanting to commit suicide. And she had a 38 laying next to her that if the pills didn't work right, she was going to kill herself. Well, of course, when we went in and, and Baker acted her, we took her weapon. We put it in property and evidence. And she was allowed back during this time to go and get that gun after she got out of, you know, the hospital. Yeah. She was she was allowed. And what happened, she waited she waited 90 days to go and get it, and they destroyed it. So what happened? She went and bought a bigger one because she could because there was no tracing that, no following that. Yeah. You know, we're so afraid of saying, hey, this person might have a mental issue here. But now the law has changed a little bit in Florida that a judge can do that order. That, you know, if, they're, if, if they've been, uh, you know, uh, had a Baker Act done, the officers can go and say, Your Honor, this person has a lot of guns. We'd like to get them from them. And the, the, the judge can say, Okay, take the weapons from them. They can't have any while this is going on, and we'll decide later on what we're going to do. That's, that's great. Now, as far as what you're talking about, I got into a conversation with a Pasco deputy because that was a scare that everybody was afraid of, that you could walk down or your girlfriend could walk down and say, hey, James Simmons, he threatened me the other day, and he's got a bunch of guns, and I don't think he should have any. And the judge could say, whoa, that's a red flag. James, give us your guns. Yeah. doesn't happen that way, okay? you got to have law enforcement involvement in it. And the, yeah. and the judge, a judge's order, just like a, yeah. just like a warrant or anything else. Well, you can get an injunction against somebody, but it's temporary. You have to come back in court you know, within and then 30 prove days, that 60 they, yeah. days, 90 days to prove that it needs to be extended or whatever. So, you know, I, I truly, there, it, it is a slippery slope we have to be careful on. Don't get me wrong. I, I really like the idea of red flags because how many times have you heard people say, 
I'm going to go shoot up his school. And Or that guy was crazy. He came outside all the time waving his handgun around and stuff like that. But local law enforcement has to be involved in it. I mean, that's kind of what's protecting you. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, that, that then, this is, this is kind of what I wanted Jeff here for, and something that I'm kind of a big fan of is, is bringing some of the political power back to the states and back to the local governments and, and taking some of it away, the central power from the federal government. Because here's the problem at the end of the day. If you've got a Democratic appointee whose his party is anti-gun, whether he's anti-gun or not, He's going to be throwing. He's going to be handing out red flag warrants like crazy, or a Republican judge, appointed judge who isn't, uh, who is a big Second Amendment guy, and it'd be like pulling teeth to get a to get a war, uh, uh, red flag warrant out of that guy. So, isn't it better then that we that we turn the focus of of government more locally to the states at least? What do you think, Jeff? Well, <clears throat> my my opinion. This is this is a federally given right that comes is supposed to be given to us by our creator, right? We have our our rights that are... If you're going to lose a, a, your Second Amendment right, it's the same as any other right that you have. If you're going to lose that, the due process has to be there. Yeah. And you have to be convicted of a felony to lose your rights, okay? Until that conviction goes in place, I think you are on a very... You risk being on a very slippery slope at that point because never... Have they there been a or has there been an inclination to give rights back once you've lost them? Yeah, and I think that anything that they they get their foot in the door, that they're they're, it's you know okay so you can't have machine guns, then the next thing is now they want to describe everything as an assault rifle. Yeah, and now they want to take away your guns with, you know, more than ten rounds. The right category and it doesn't you know even if the cops are involved, I. Most cops are good. Not all cops do their job good, even if they're a good person. And I think that it just leaves too much to. There, there's a reason why we have juries. Well, here's I agree with you. And here's my here's something that bothers me is I don't think statistically, while while mass shootings are terrible, statistically, there it's it's not that large of a problem even in here in America. In other words, for the number of gun owners, they just did a rally up in was it Virginia. Right, and it was you know eight hundred thousand people with armed people, and nobody got shot. So I don't. I that think happens. I think to James's point, it has a lot to do with mental health. But uh, statistically speaking, there's not a lot of. Uh, here, I'll put this on the board from. Uh, who's this from? I don't know. Let me see it. Oh, I, you know what? That's the crime prevention research. Crime prevention. Crime. Yeah. Crime. It, it sounds official. Whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> crime prevention research center. Crime right? prevention, and so they're they're talking about countries. Uh, Annual deaths from mass shootings by by country, and we're not even in the top ten. We're eleventh. Yeah, we're eleventh. Yeah. So that is uh, the idea that we have well, this you, epidemic it, of a problem. It just doesn't seem to bear out. Explain to me. this though. You kind of got to go through and explain this because look right here. See, I got it right here. So I know exactly what you're talking about. What they're talking about there is they look per capita, and so our country, you know, as many people as we have, we if we can't just look at it and say, oh, we have more mass shootings than anybody else because we do have a large, we don't have a large number. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like 0.2% are mass shootings. And if you totally look at it, what they call a mass shooting is four people or more 
that can be a family where a husband, we've, we've seen it before, a husband goes through and kills the whole family, or, you know, it's one of those. It's not like a public type thing that we run into all the time. But what they did here, they, they, they compared two different things I thought was very important. The annual death rate, mass shooting, comparing uh, uh, countries, U.S., Canada, from 2009 to 2015, you're right. The United States was number 11 on this, but that's per capita, how many people they have. Right. Because you look at but see what was interesting on this report here, Norway, France, uh, Switzerland, uh, Finland, Finland Belgium. Belgium were above us. Yeah. We're above us. And you wouldn't so, think so. Yeah, you, you wouldn't know? think so. But, I mean, you know, when you take a look at these, you have to – you really have – so many people just read the top headline. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and they go from there, you know. But you really have to study this to understand that when we get into these shootings, death by gunfire, okay, death by – homicides by – they include suicides in there. Well, that's really not fair. Yeah. Sixty-two percent of yeah. the sixty-four percent of the uh, thirty-nine thousand from twenty seventeen, uh, almost two-thirds were, was were suicide. Uh, were suicide. So and that that doesn't count. Accidental discharge. Get rid of those. Yeah. So uh, you, you know the frequency of mass shooting, mass public shootings, comparison of European countries and U.S. Like we're we're down twelfth on that one. We have France in front of us, Czech Republic, Austria, Belgium, Finland, Norway, Switzerland. These have more frequently than we do. So when we go into these things and we want to look at it, make sure that we're paying attention to what is being said, the study. And this isn't some left-wing or right-wing group. This is Crime Prevention Research Center. Yeah. They're looking at crimes all, all over the world. So, you know, you, like I said, you got to go in and take a look at it. Uh, the Heritage uh, uh, Foundation went in and did like six things about mass shootings, and they said – you know, one of the things they talked about, they're not that frequent, you know. And when you do take a look at it, you know, 0.2% of homicides every year are mass shootings, you know. So, you know, it's just you got to pay attention to the numbers. And the how many of those were how many of those were even legal guns in the first place? How many of them well, were? I'm sorry. I don't mean to be taking all the time here. I, I, I just I research this all well, the time. Well, you're passionate, Jim. Yeah, we love I that. I know. I know. I, 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 and I apologize for this. But there, there was recently a study out here by um, uh, Peterson and Densley, James Densley, and I'll think of uh, Peterson. It's a female. They just did this study, a two-year extensive study, where they looked at mass shooters. And they came up with four commonalities in all four mass shooters. One was that they had a, tra a traumatic experience at a young age. They were either sexually assaulted, uh, 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 abused physically, or had a suicide in their family, something like that, some sort of traumatic experience that happened. The second thing that they notice about all these is they study each other. They study these mass shootings. There's so much information on the Internet that you can get on these shootings that they study them. Case in point. It's almost a copycat thing. It, well, case in point, that's why you do have a lot of them that happen one after the other. You have the guy down in New Zealand that wore the GoPro that went in and he wrote a manifesto. The guy from El Paso read the same, it read his manifesto. And he tried to do the same thing. Tried to do the same thing. They were trying to create a war. The guy in New Zealand was trying to do it with the Muslims, and the guy in El Paso was trying to do it with Hispanics. They study each other. Then there's also the trigger event that happens. And that trigger event could be uh, they lose their job. Uh, the boyfriend, uh, uh, the girl dumps the boy. There's always a trigger, and people should be looking for those triggers. That's where we get into studying these things. Should be looking for these triggers. Now, the last thing is, 
They have the means to carry it out. A lot of these people that are doing these things, and this is where mental health gets involved in this, legally can purchase the guns. In juveniles, the parents are the ones that can legally purchase the guns, but they don't keep them from their kids. So when you take all four of those and look at it, you kind of go, okay, we have a pattern here now. Yeah. You know, so we have to pay attention to this, and we're not. We're not. Well, what what percentage of the mass shootings are happening in gun-free zones, do you think? I heard something like 95 or 97 percent. Is that true? Uh, Let's see. Over 90 percent of the uh, percent of public mass shootings take place in gun-free zones. Yeah. So now this came from the Heritage Foundation. That, I'm just quoting them. Yeah, that that's conservative. So and that's somebody, conservative. somebody on the left would freak out if you if you quoted the Heritage Foundation. It, it, well, if you went back and quoted, um, I'm trying to think. Um, I had some of their stuff. I can't. Uh, Sandy Hook. Yeah. The Sandy Hook Project. They're going to make it look like you know they're the most evilest thing in the whole wide world. Yeah. Guns are guns are terrible. Nobody should have them. Period. Sure. But then we have other mass murders. We look at France. And in East France, we had 84 people killed by a truck. Yeah. So now, you know, and, and you can go on and list all these different ones in different countries, including the United States, where we had the guy go through Central Park. Where the bombing in Oklahoma. Well, the bomb was a truck bomb. Was, was fertilizer. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we, we have to be careful when we start to talk about this. Like I said, we ended up going down a slippery slope. But anyway, I've been – go ahead. Well, let somebody else speak. <laughs> the, uh, so what, what do you think, James, is, is – uh, what would you say – what would you classify as a reasonable, uh, uh, a reasonable gun law? In other words, again, they make that argument, and it sounds perfectly it, – it's logical. So I don't want my crazy cousin having a gun for sure. But uh, – What constitutes a crazy cousin? Yeah. How do you know – How do you know? crazy cousin talking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want him to say we're related. <laughs> we suspend freedom of speech. What? Uh, yeah, that wouldn't be bad for him. What? Uh, uh, by the way, for the record, I don't have any crazy cousins. Just so everybody knows. And I, I, I was cleaning my guns out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Boat sank. I have no guns left either. Beto, O'Rourke, I have no guns left. Not even. And no reason to even come here because I don't even have any guns. Let James speak. <laughs> James, go ahead. Well, you know, I think, you know, and, and uh, Jim and and. You know, Kevin, I think you guys are both kind of saying, you know, something important here. And it's it's about getting that that reasonableness test down to something objective, right? Um, a lot of times the reason why, you know, laws are challenged or, you know, statutes are challenged, things of that nature, is because they may be too subjective. They're too finite. They're too critical. And that's that's where guys like me or, or, or con law guys, they, they figure out a way to nitpick and show that this is a infringement. Yeah. And so. Oh, froze up a little bit. You know, there he is. so, you know, you got to have something that's across the board, something whereas, um, you know, that this person has a history of mental health issues or that, um, you know, there is some sort of reporting or something that, uh, you know, kind of identifies a person to be, you know, a potential risk or, or things of that nature. Jim can speak to this. Um, you know, in law enforcement, you have a lot of guys who are behaviorists or um, even psychologists who can look at, you know, a person's um, personality traits, their their type, and kind of be able to, to determine what type of of behavior that that 
specific person or that that class of persons would exhibit, um, you know, given a situ given a situation or scenario. Um, so it's really it, it really needs to be an objective standard where it could be applied across the board where you can say, OK, based off of these minimal um, things that we look at, you know, whether you have uh, a history of mental health or if you have a history of violent crime or, um, you know, things of that nature that would make you more susceptible to abuse your right to bear arms. Yeah. So there has to be a legal definition, I'm guessing, sure. of the word infringement, right? So at some point, is, is, is infringement so subjective that it could be manipulated? Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, there to challenge a constitutional law, like like we've kind of discussed already, it's it's a very high standard, it's a high bar. Yeah. And so, you know, when you discuss infringement, that that term in itself means that you are committing something, or the 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 governmental ent entity is committing something that doesn't just you know um, keep someone from. Um, enjoying their their constitutional rights, but it also is something that may affect a class of individuals or a certain. That's you where know, you got to be careful. Yeah, that's that's where it gets hairy because obviously, if it's not applied equally, because that's what the Constitution is about applying the the constitutional laws equally amongst the citizens of America, right? Absolutely. Um, if if you have something that's in place to where it is not applying those same rights and and you know, those things that we are, we enjoy as citizens of, of this, you know, country, um, if it's not being applied equally, that's what makes it susceptible to challenge. Right. So people in, in suburb, in uh, rural Idaho would be more affected than, say, somebody in midtown Manhattan by these laws, uh, because they probably don't own a whole heck of a lot of guns in Manhattan. I happen to grow up in New York. You're not allowed to own guns there. So, uh, so it, that gets even that gets tricky. Then, how do you uh, how do you how do you protect the rights of some without infringing the rights of others? Well, the Supreme. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, right. Jim. I mean, Jeff. Mr. My, Commissioner, my is is when you when you break a law, that's when the government can get involved. And I think in a lot of these shootings, a lot of these people had broken laws, and they there was a slap on the wrist. Right, or they whatever. weren't shut down for one reason or another. Right, and and I guns don't do the killing. Somebody has to be using those guns, and I know that that's cliche and gets used a lot, but until you break a law, the government can't do anything. You can be weird. That's kind of what we have the Constitution being applied equally is all about. You know, we don't need to protect the speech of that's popular. You, the, the First Amendment's there to protect the speech that's unpopular. And they, if, if, they're, if they're merely talking about something like reasonable gun laws, then why make, uh, you know, why why make it so you can you can sue Smith and Wesson if I use their gun? Uh, that that is unreasonable. I mean, that's like suing Toyota if I have an accident, right? There, if I there, kill somebody. Okay, and this is just something that uh, there's a couple of cases that are going on out here right now. Um, one one is trying to sue one of the gun companies. I don't think that'll work. I don't think that'll work. It's just like you said. You know, if you if you know of a factory defect, okay. Remington at one time had a factory defect in one of their rifles, and it was accidentally going off. I mean, there was uh, there was a lawsuit on that. Now that's reasonable. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. <laughs> right. But when you and I'm hoping I didn't say it wrong, Remington. If I did, I apologize. Yeah, we apologize. But, yeah. Um, but uh, when when you take a look at um, you know neglect or something like that, it's very difficult to sue. Okay. Now they the Parkland family 
uh, there's a Parkland family. No, I'm sorry. It's in El Paso. The, the shooting happened in El Paso. There is a um, some attorneys that are representing a family that was shot and killed because the person who purchased the the ammunition was somebody under the age of, of, of 21. And the law requires you to have to be 21 years old to be able to buy ammunition. So they didn't do anything to verify this kid's age. They didn't do anything to uh-huh. check him out and all these things like this. He bought it online. So I think they may have a case there, you know. And, James, you can kind of get into that. Because if, if you're going to have these requirements of 21 before you can buy ammunition and you're not doing anything to verify that, that kind of puts you at risk. Yeah, that you, puts you, you have, at libel, you right? Have, yeah, you're supposed to do due diligence in a case like that. Is that correct? Yeah, so that, so that's a clear case of negligence. Yeah. Um, you know, once you have a policy or a procedure in place, and it doesn't matter if it's something that's mandated by this, the government or if it's something that you just instituted in your store, once you establish that policy and procedure and then your employees or whoever don't follow it or, you know, you've elected a duty that no one, you know, that, that the person did not abide by, um, you're negligent. And so in that situation, um, like Jim was saying, I mean, I think that's a clear indica- that's a that's a clear case of where someone has an argument to where you can place blame on the store or the employees for you know, negligent supervision or retention, you know, things of that nature. Maybe that person um, wasn't qualified for, you know, even being in the position of selling ammunition, you know, different things like that, um, which is different from, you know, where we're, where we're saying that a manufacturer um, should be held liable for uh, the criminal act of someone else. Um, you know, what this harkens to or what this is, is similar to is, with uh, a lot of the tobacco litigation, mm-hmm. you know, um, there were a lot of cases that were saying, well, you know, we didn't, f- you know, there, there were there were folks who were suing these tobacco companies saying, you know, all these different um, uh, negative results happen, cancer, you know, um, sickness, you know, COPD, all those different things. Um, and so the argument initially, you know, that a lot of the basis was, was to try to curb um tobacco companies and putting up adequate warnings and, and labels and things like that and, and, dis- and detracting from marketing to children and, and younger folks, things like that. And so the premise wasn't really to, um, you know, kind of uh, say there was anything, you know, curve the, the actual, um, the, the actual contents of a, a cigarette. It was more so to, to curve um, the use of it. And so, um, you see these cases that are popping up with, with gun laws and, and, and things like that, but you can see that the purpose is not to, the purpose is more so to curve, uh, or, or try to create some sort of, of, um, legal basis or legal standard to challenge these gun laws. Yeah. They, it's like an effort to, to legislate from the bench to write instead of interpret right. laws, but to write them by by right. exclusion, basically, but you couldn't sue federal because somebody missold there, or maybe you can because the, their rep missold there or didn't check age check the person buying the ammo. Uh, you can't. I'm guessing uh, with cigarettes, they they it was the by it was the byproduct of, of a normal expectation of use. So you would expect people to smoke a cigarette, right? Uh, but you don't right. expect people to shoot another person with a firearm. So that is that goes outside. I think the the, the uh, realm of of uh, 
of liability for what the intended purpose of that product is in the first place. So far, the Supreme Court has gone for the manufacturers. Now, that doesn't mean that tomorrow it, it could change. I know, like I said, there's another case out here, and I don't remember which one it was, that the lower court or the appellate court, I don't know the, all the court's names, James, you can help me with this, but they said, yes, you can sue them. And when it goes to the Supreme Court, we know, you know, a lot of times what they're trying to do is just drive these companies out of business, you know. Uh, you know, Colt stopped making handguns there for uh, actual pistols like revolvers for a while. Colt stopped making AR-15s. Well, a lot of people felt, oh, the pressure from, you know, the people upset with assault weapons, that's the reason Colt stopped. No, it was a marketing deal. Everybody and his brother makes an AR-15 now. So it wasn't marketable because Colt was selling them at a higher price because they're higher quality guns, and they're not moving them like they used to when they became the only people that really made them for a long time. So they just said, you know what? This isn't profitable for us. We're going to make a business change. We're going to go back to some of the other stuff. Now, they still make some, I think, for law enforcement because law enforcement is still a big you know, purchase. Well, they just came out again with the python that uh, oh, yes, that's had some trouble. Yeah, it's had trouble. <laughs> Let's not go there. That's another for another night. I don't want to get sued. I may need James to protect me from getting sued by Colt. <laughs> uh, well, we got Drew Enders, uh, one of our regular viewers, uh, and his comment is one of the issues he has with proposed gun laws is that they slowly chip away at our rights, uh, and that, that is really the intention of it is to circumvent the, the constitutional process and just kind of chip away. And we talked a little bit about that already. And he, he believes in New York City gun laws should be considered racist. Not sure what that means. Uh, it's minority neighborhoods that are affected. Minorities don't have the right to protect. Well, I guess that's right. Protect themselves in high crime areas. Is that fair? Is that Would that then be considered, would that be somebody ill-affected uh, Ill by, by gun re restrictions in New York City, you think, James? Well, I mean, it, it's an interesting argument, but the thing that the the counter to that would be is that New York is saying, well, we've applied it across the board to right. all citizens. Yeah. And so um, it's going to be hard to tie a racial nexus to it. Um, now, obviously, if, if it was uh, easier to purchase and, and, you know, folks were getting less penalties in other, um, you know, parts of, of the city or, you know, or the, or the area, um, then yeah, I, I would say, yeah, maybe there were, you know, there are say the urban part, it's, it's more difficult to purchase a gun or, or it's, or, or even possess one, you're going to get hit with the, with the, with the book, uh, compared yeah. to another area. Yeah. Then yeah, well, I would say, yeah, that would be a, a, something that you can attack. But like I said, they, they were clear in putting it across the board, um, so that they could counter some of those types of arguments. And, and there's the argument that if you live in a rural area and the, the police may be 20 or 30 minutes away in some parts of this country, what do you do? You know, do you lock your door and hope the bad guy doesn't I, break a window? Or do I, I wrote about that uh, uh, two months ago where we talked about your national statistics say that, you know, the response time on a violent crime is 10 minutes. But what <laughs> they really don't tell you, that's the average. That's the average. If you look at it, it's anywhere from one minute to one hour. Nope. Yeah. It's just that they take it and they put it as an average and go, oh, yeah, we got a 10-minute average here. But 10 minutes is a long time. You know, when, you know, seconds, you know, when seconds count, I mean, and the police are, 
let's say one minute away, you know. It, it, there's a, there's a lot of time there. There's a, a whole lot of time that you got to be preparing for. Well, luckily I live in holidays. Cops everywhere, so <laughs> it's, it's not a very long response time here. Drew also says, by the way, he lives in upstate New York, not New York City, and and the gun laws are different there. So they're, they're not, I guess, state laws up there, but it, there are there are city laws. I remember New York City being very strict, and I remember going camping in upstate New York, and people would have guns, and the first time I ever seen a gun. Look, you have cities that require people to have guns. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's a little bizarre how far it'll go back and forth, you know. This city says you cannot have guns, and this city says if you don't have one, we're going to give you a summons, you know. So That's that's a good point. When this pendulum starts swinging, uh, there's a lot of inertia behind it. It could really begin to swing out of control. We saw in Virginia where they were deputy—some of the sheriffs were deputizing entire counties mm-hmm. so they could all carry firearms— uh, they literally tried to confiscate, you know, the, the right laws that would be uh, they can confiscate firearms in from rural Virginia because the Beltway Virginians uh, were against firearms. Let, let, there is there's a good argument for the uh, uh, for the Electoral College being plugged into states. Oh, yeah. The, gosh, you keep bringing up these things, man. I should be a lawyer, James. <laughs> this should be this is other conversation. If it wasn't for my background. I'd be a lawyer. Yeah. Well, look, let, let, let's take just a step back and. and what you have to have is a court case. You look at 2008, District of Columbia versus Heller. And, and the District of Columbia had the strictest gun laws in, in the country. And the Supreme Court said, can't do it. Can't. It violated, uh, it, you know, handgun ban as a violation of the rights. So, you know, it's just one of these things where it takes the case, and James help me with this it takes the case to go to the supreme court before we can get a true ruling on what local law enforcement state law enforcement different things like that can actually claim as a law is that is that the right way of saying it it takes somebody to sue them and go all the way up and that takes money and that that's time i mean there's just a whole bunch of things to it that maybe people just don't want to do it i mean think about it you would think that maybe the the city of New York could do a lawsuit because, like he's like Kevin was saying, Upper New York has has different laws. So you're almost you are not allowing the whole state to have the same right. Does that make sense? Is that right? Yeah. So you know, in a situation like that, right, where you have uh, a state law in New York uh, that that obviously does not allow you to possess firearms or handguns. Um, and so in that situation, um, you're right. What, what you would have to do in order to change that law is have someone um, say that they're aggrieved or a class of folks who say they're aggrieved uh, to file a lawsuit. Now, here's the problem about that. When you file a lawsuit against a, a state entity or a governmental entity, to get it to go all the way from lower court to Supreme Court is going to take a lot of resources and expenses and attorney costs and fees to get it to that position. And so most regular folks are not going to have those types of resources. And so when you see folks that are challenging some of these um, statutes or some of these laws that are implemented, it's mainly because there is some uh, interest group or some lobbyist or someone that is actually behind it, backing that effort. And so that's the real crux of what it's going to take to, to change something like that is to have a, a funding source and a good argument, obviously, right. um, that, that these folks are aggrieved and here is why. This is 
why this law infringes on a constitutional right. This is why uh, these types of folks are, you know, unequally represented in this state. And that way, you have that argument. But the fact of the matter is, you know, with anything uh, in law, it, it doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen quick. And it, ta- it, takes, it takes money to, to get it to where you, where you need it to be. Yeah, I'm wondering how long it took uh, D- D.C. versus Heller to get through court because there was a long time standing from 1939, you know, like 70 years, saying that the states and cities and towns and all this stuff like that could re- restrict the right of a person to bear arms. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to know exactly what is going on with that. So we oh, I thought we lost Kevin. I We're thought supposed he got, to pretend I'm not getting up. Do you remember the <laughs> show I, I thought you were leaving, and I was like, where do we go? I thought I heard a gunshot. We're in holiday, bro. Well, that brings he, up he another. He mad at the conversation. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go swim in the Gulf of Mexico find my guns. <laughs> the, uh, uh, it bring, well, you bring up people groups. What if you have a situation now? We have uh, you know, uh, more than half of the kids being raised in single-parent homes, generally by the mother. Only 4% of the single-parent homes are, are headed up by, a fa- by the father. That's That's uncountable number of, of mothers home with their children in states where they're not allowed to have guns to protect their family. That is, that gets really ugly, really quick. Uh, move. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, uh, come to Florida, go to yeah, Texas. Yeah. This is why we don't have Antifa problems here, by yeah. the way, because we're a second amendment state. You don't see them running around well, with bats and hoods I, down I, here. Let me throw you an interesting little thing out. Uh, in 2018, I think it was Florida had 1.5 million, uh, concealed weapon permits in the state. And so I was really curious about that because, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, that means like almost everybody in the room, you know, you know, six out of 10 people yeah. have concealed weapons permit. So I got to talking to some of the snowbirds that I know that, you know, go to these states like New York and things like that and then come down here. Well, they, they list their residency down here because it's so much easier to get that concealed weapons permit where if they go up north, it takes forever. You know, you can go yeah. to a 90-minute course at the state grounds, you know, the state fairgrounds at the gun show and get your concealed weapons permit. Yeah. So that's it's harder why, to get your motorcycle endorsement to get a concealed weapons well, permit. And that's one of my T's. You know, yeah. that's one of my things. That's yours. It, it, it's, it's, it's harder to get a driver's license than it is to get a concealed weapons permit. Yeah. And, I mean, I even hate to say this. I'm going to say this just biting my tongue on it. Bloomberg said after the shooting in Texas – the uh, uh, West Freeway, Texas, Texas shooting, the church shooting. He said, it's the law of law enforcement to have guns and decide when to shoot. Okay. He said, you just do not want the average citizen carrying a gun in a crowded place. Well, I have a problem with this first part because law enforcement are the only ones. That gets back to response time, all these things yeah, like yeah. that. You know, but when he says the average person, average citizen carrying a gun, I kind of agree with him. You know, James is a martial art guy, so he knows that if he doesn't practice, he loses his his talent. He loses his talent. If you own a gun and you're not out practicing with it, you shouldn't be pulling it in crowds. You know, yeah. so these are the things like I have problems with because, yes, everybody has the right to have a gun to protect themselves. But, you know, how far do we go on that? You know, you know, if you look at that Texas tape. There was eight people in that church that had guns. 
there was eight people that waved their guns around. So Yeah, you know, we went through the video, yeah, man. Yeah, and so it's one of these things where it's very scary when we just say, hey, here's a gun. You know, here's your concealed weapons permit. Go ahead. And, they, of course, they don't go out and buy a little small gun. You know, they go out and buy the biggest gun that they can carry, yeah. you know. And so that's where I get a little bit concerned. And they can they can possess guns in their home without a permit. And was that castle laws? Yeah. And so can, that that yeah. kind of solves that problem. But do they have castle laws in other state and states that have strict gun laws? Can you have a gun in your house? I I don't know. I'd have to go that would, and look. That would, would be that, a good idea. I would think for people in high crime areas or single moms, people that are particularly vulnerable that don't have twenty minutes till the cops get there. You know. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a. Uh, that's a tough one. Drew also says, I got my Florida non-residence permit by mail. <laughs> I can CC in 38 states now. That's nice. I, tell Drew I wouldn't push that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think. Well, when they hear his New York accent, he's yeah, in Alabama. Yeah, you might want to call James on that one. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of these companies out here promise things, and then uh, they, they're not reciprocal. Uh, not all the states are? No, they're not. They're not. Uh, we're running, we ran into a problem with Florida and Virginia for a while. Really? So, yeah. I don't and you know think they, they would be, well, not anymore, but they, yeah. uh, historically would be common. You think that be they a commonality would be very common. there. yeah. Well, so. what about that? What about a national, Trump hinted at a national concealed carry license? Well. That you're, then your Second Amendment can't be infringed because you go on vacation. You know, um, I, I, I mean, okay, but you know what you're doing there? You're making a national database. So just yeah, think yeah. about that for yeah, a second, yeah. okay? Because you guys that get, you know, freaked out on or paranoid on, you know. I the- love conspiracy <laughs> theories. I, I, I don't even believe them, but they're so much fun. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, local government? Do you think that, uh, well, is it a good idea? If I'm, if I'm going to say that I'm a local government guy, the closer to the people, the better. And Drew says it's easier in upstate New York than it is in, in New York City. Is that not fair enough, or is it because it's a constitutional right that they have to be extra careful? What do you think? I, it doesn't when it's the way that the Second Amendment is written. It doesn't exclude the governments, uh, local or otherwise, to infringe upon those rights. It, it, it says it's the like federal freedom government. of speech, your freedom to practice religion, your freedom of the press. They're not exclusive to. Like if you live in this city or that city, that they can be infringed. It doesn't. Yeah. So it, it, it doesn't give that benefit of the doubt to local governments. So uh, I'm just like he's saying. Like you have a national registry. If there's a uh, if you go for a national concealed weapons concealed weapons license. Uh, and then Beto becomes president. Is the only right that I think you have to get a license to uh, you know to actually execute your right. Well, I think it's probably more of an issue now because it is. Uh, I think we could all agree it's pretty unreasonable to think they just want reasonable gun laws because they're, they'll take any, any path they can get to, to, to very extreme positions. So it's not like they, they're trying to solve a problem. They're trying to remove guns from people. I mean, I don't think their intentions but are— on that, James, maybe you can clear this up. What is the definition of—the legal definition of reasonable? Oh, <laughs> is there one? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, look at the time. So, so no. <laughs> so, so a reasonable standard. I mean, literally, you know, when you're what you're taught in law school is uh, reasonableness is is based off of the the reasonable person test. And yes. so it's who is yeah. who is. So I'm out. And, and and so you know you're 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 basically trying to figure out a a objective way to say how a, a person, uh, you know, another person in that same set of events would have acted, 
or whether they would have acted any differently. Right, right, right. And so, again, it's such an, again, you know, whenever you ask a lawyer a question, you know, am I going to win my case or am I going to, you know, I'm going to jail or, or whatever. What is the response? Every lawyer says maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so uh, it's the same thing with reasonableness. It's 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 kind of like an amorphous thing, but um, which we, you know that's why we that's why we that. why we have juries. You know, um, so, a lot of times the jury is who's who who is you know asked at the end of the day to determine whether something is reasonable or not. Um, it's it's a question of fact, not a question. And the of importance law. of a jury or your peers, then, because the. It would have to be essentially like-minded people. You couldn't be, uh, you couldn't be uh, trying me in California or or uh, even in the middle of Idaho, right? Because that, that's not my peers. You'd have to, you have to, you have to try me in front of a bunch of disabled plumbers. Otherwise, I say no. But the the reasonable gun law, just the terminology itself, is just it creates its own controversy. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. The, just using those expressions is, is falling into that quagmire that if you want to say this is what we're wanting to pass but don't say reasonable gun laws yeah cause yeah because that's what creates well, the, yeah. the, the amb- and, and it also creates a conspiracy theorist right. mind going off and going crazy you know well but what is reasonable <laughs> to a parent that's lost a child in a, in a school shooting to a person who's protected their children With at a, a shooting firearm. at their house you know what what is what is reasonable there you know you you, you it's very they throw that word out there because like what james just said there it's one of these that we can bend it any way we really yeah, they're want. They're making emotive arguments, so they're yeah. not being yeah. really terribly logical. Yeah. So, and that, so the Center for Disease Control that I can't seem to find the slide for now, uh, there was 337,000, almost uh, uh, 38,000 uh, gun deaths in America in 2017. Uh, there was anywhere between, a, I don't know really how they can't figure this out, between a half a million and, and uh, over 3 million uh, guns used in the prevention of a violent crime. Right. So it's by far more likely that you'll, the gun will be used to prevent a violent crime than to end somebody's life, and that's leaving the suicide numbers in there. Well, and go ahead. To an earlier point, you would, well, you've, everybody has used the word conspiracy theory, theory several times. Uh, Fifteen years ago, would we have had a Beto O'Rourke up on that stage saying that he would take the guns? I used to think, what's his name? I used to think Glenn Beck was a nut. I listened to him because he was funny. And then 2013, the NSA is collecting our emails, Benghazi happens, and the IRS is is uh, clamping down on conservatives. You'd think that could never happen here. And all three of them happened in the same year so or within 12 months. We, we have a presidential candidate that is spied upon by, you know, one of our top you know, <laughs> law enforcement yes. agencies. Well, it's creepy. Really? It's creepy now. Yeah. So, yeah, when, so when we throw that conspiracy theory word around, it kind of discredits yeah. What is actually yeah. visually? Yeah. Right. I mean, if you think back 15 years and how far that they're openly talking about stuff like this, and they keep moving the argument, moving the argument, and moving the argument, and it doesn't doesn't take a whole lot of research to figure out that it's not a theory. Yeah. They're actually that's the direction that they want to go. And that is, and I I say all the time, everybody's a conspiracy theorist. We just pick right. our conspiracies. Right. So it's not like uh, when I when I deal with the scripture and somebody tells me the Bible's corrupted because it's like the telephone game, and I say, okay, prove that to me, and they can't. It's just a conspiracy theory, right? right? right. Uh, so the uh, it doesn't matter what what conspiracy we're we're hung up on. It, most of it is conspiracy until it turns out that we're, you know, collecting emails and and leaving. People, Americans that die in Benghazi and, and clamping down on conservatives 
with the IRS. You never think that's going to happen. Uh, and and kooks like Ben Glenn Beck said it would happen, and I I just thought it was funny, or entertaining. What about uh, here's a, here's a hot topic for all of us being Floridians. How about the stand your ground law? Remember the guy at, in Clearwater? Uh, he was he yelled at somebody for having a loud radio. The guy came out, knocked, punched him once, knocked him on the ground. Uh, the guy pulled out a gun. The guy that knocked him on the ground wasn't moving forward. He's, he was staying away from. Shot him anyway, and he tried to claim stand your ground. Uh, stand your ground is is for Floridians is a very controversial topic. And how how hard is that to to legislate? You think, James? Well, um, when you deal with that law, um, you're gonna you're gonna come across a mix of a lot of uh, different emotions depending on who you talk to, right? Um, a lot of folks. Um, only know uh, about stand your law based off of some of the, the cases that have been sensa- sensationalized in the media and, and, and you know, nationally, um, obviously with uh, the George Zimmerman incident, um, uh, a similar incident uh, with, with, a, with a young man named Jordan Davis in, in Jacksonville, um, where, you know, an individual was upset about some loud rap music and, and, and shot this young man in a car um, for kind of talking back to him, um, folks don't under, don't remember, but part of his earlier defense was staying your ground. You know, he thought that uh, he could say he he basically said that uh, he felt like the young man had flashed something at him that looked like a rifle or, or some sort of uh, weapon, and that that was gave him the reasonableness to uh, pull his firearm and shoot. Well, uh, the 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 reason I have an issue with. Uh, stand your ground in Florida is because it is kind of like a separate safety net to the self-defense standard we already have. Right. And so it's another layer um, of a defense where it is a little where someone can try to, you know, manipulate the facts to to cater to to a certain, you know, defense. and so you're basically questioning the reasonableness of that act and whether, um, you know, if something that, and it's, it's a little bit more subjective than the common self-defense um, uh, defense. So, so for nationally, you, you, you have a legal obligation to try to flee uh, your life in, in danger, but not in Florida. You, you're not legally obligated to flee down here. Is that what stand your ground is? Yes. Well, well, yes. So, so, so basically, um, you know, we have a self-defense, um, you know, legal standard across the board. Whereas if someone is approaching you with, uh, force, whether it be, um, physical, you know, just, just hand to hand combat, uh, or, or deadly force where they have a weapon, um, you know, you have the right to, you know, engage or match that force with something that is, um, you know, equal. So if somebody comes at you with a gun, it's okay for you to, to go back at them with a gun or if, or if you believe that they have a gun, obviously it's a reasonable standard. So for, for a person that is outside, from a jury that's looking at it, they're going to say, all right, if I, if I or a reasonable person was in this same set of facts and position, if I would have seen someone reaching for something, I can reasonably say maybe that's a gun. Let me be able to defend myself and shoot. That that is a little bit uh, that that standard 
in my opinion, is, is sufficient because what you're really looking at is, you know, not, um, you know, the, you have to make sure that that person has a reasonable fear of imminent bodily harm or, or harm to someone else. I think stand your ground is a little bit more subjective into the fact that it, it emboldens an individual to say, well, regardless if this person is a reasonable threat or not, I have the ability to stand here and, you know, basically make a decision as to how this is going to end. And it's really going to be my version of how it's, it, it kind of lays out to, right. to substantiate that defense. So that, that's, that's one of the, the main reasons why folks in Florida are, are caught in a, in a, uh, in a, in a tough position when they're looking at that type of, I, I I'd love to jump in on this for a sec. Because, I knew Jim would. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know, Chapter 776 is your justifiable use of force in, in Florida, the statutes. And we teach this, of course, when we do a concealed weapon classes. I, I want to go back to kind of something you said, James, and, and, and use Zimmerman as one. Um, there was physical evidence that showed, listen, first off, I think Zimmerman was a moron because he should have went back to his house as soon as the law enforcement said, do this. But he had a jury of, I, I want to say, the majority was female. Uh, I, I want to say, um, uh, I, I don't remember the races, but there was a lot of mixed race, I think, in that one. It was a good jury. It wasn't a bad jury. I think he got a good jury. But the thing of it is, is they, they, they abuse it just like they abuse any other law. You, you look at any law that's on the books, people will abuse them. This is a deadly one to abuse and I, the, the one in Pinellas County, when I first looked at that video, I would have said it was a stand your ground. Mm. Because the reason why, there's certain things that a lot of people don't see that we see that it's on the street. First off, you have to look at the age and size of the guy that, that they went against each other. The first thing that happened when that guy came out of the, the, the convenience store was that he, he pulled his pants up. That is a sign, I am getting ready to punch you. When we see this on the street, they pull their pants up to go into the fight. After he had shoved the guy, he pulled his pants up again like he was going in for the second strike. Now, the guy that pulled the gun in the parking lot, that was a powerful hit. He knocked him all the way out there. Look, he's dazed and confused. I saw the guy back up, start to back up. I think he should, should not have shot. I agree with that point. But... If I were to say I was in fear of my life because this big guy was coming over and is going to pound me, I think you got a justifiable case. Here's the thing. He had abused this over and over and oh, over Hattie. again. Oh, yeah, gosh, he was known. The, if you look at the video, there's a white guy that's coming out behind the guy that gets shot and killed. He's the store manager to tell him, tell the guy to get off his property because this isn't the first time he's had problems with this guy. Ah. He had already threatened other people. There were people that came out and said, hey, he's called our business and said, if I ever see your driver and truck, you know, 123 ever driving on the street again, I'll shoot, I'll kill him because he's a terrible driver. I mean, he was known for yeah, doing yeah. this. We go back, I'll tell you another one. We go back to the shooting in the Tampa Theater. When I first saw that one, I thought this could go either way because you got a 78-year-old guy, 79-year-old guy, and some young guy that was in good shape getting into a physical confirmation, I mean, uh, altercation. This is going to be a tough one. I said it could go either way. I think the jury was right and found him guilty. And you want to know what one of the things that happened? His wife looked at him after he fired that shot and said, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, really? Yeah. 
So when you have situations like that, they like to use it. They like to abuse it. But I think in other situations where it's legit, it's just one of those that, you know, people say, do I have to drag the guy back inside the house if I shoot him and he runs outside? No. I mean, how many of of these have we heard, you know, over and over and over? To me, Florida just made it definite and said, you do not have to retreat. It doesn't say you you go in and get engaged. Mm. It doesn't say that you pick the fight also. It doesn't say that you run your mouth and do these things. That's not stand your ground. Stand your ground. Look at it. It's forcible felony. But these people will grab a hold of it because they're going to abuse that privilege. And what does that do? It hurts us. It hurts all of us. And, Jim, uh, if I could just jump in real quick. One, sure. one thing I would, would say is I think – the main problem folks have with staying your ground in Florida um, is something that we've kind of talked about, you know, when we were referencing New York, it's, it's, it's more so about the application. And so when folks look at the application of that law, they try to say, well, you know, certain demographics are not afforded the same uh, evaluation of their, um, you know, factual, what happened in the facts of their situation. Right. And so they say folks with lower income or folks in, in, in you know, some racial, uh, you know, obviously African-Americans, if they were to try to um, or minorities were to try to, to use that standing ground um, uh, defense, a lot of times uh, the, the statistics are showing that they, you know, are not afforded that defense. And then they're, they're it moves forward to the trial phase. Right. And then they're back down to just a self-defense argument. And so it, it, that's where the, uh, the argument about that statute is, is about how, it, how it's applied. Now, obviously, um, I think, you know, what Florida was trying to do, is, as, you, as you just mentioned, was to say, look, you know, you don't have a duty to retreat um, and, and, and kind of set up the, the ground rules for this defense. However, the subjective part of it is, in, is how folks are able to apply the specific facts of what happened and try to say, well, you know, this person put me in a reasonable fear of death or bodily harm. And as you were saying, a guy pulling up his pants, um, you know, someone else could look at that, you know, and say, well, yeah, he's pulling up his, 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 his pants and he's, he's ready to fight, but is he going to inflict death upon the other person, you know? And so okay, okay. And- those, those, those types of, of questions as to reasonableness is where it gets that, that gray area where, where, where certain, at certain, certain points, that law is not going to get applied fairly in each and every case. Well, and I, I, I'm not going to disagree on a, a certain part of that, but when, when you say when a person hits another person, you, you know as well as I do, we have to size up the whole situation. We just can't right. look at a little piece of it. We have to look at all of it. If I'm 78 years old and the guy's 22 years old and looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger and he shoves me, even if he just shoves me, there's a good possibility he may kill me. I mean, think about it. We've had situations where people have hit people, just a simple assault, and they have fallen and hit in the curbside and died from brain injury. So, like I said, understand what I'm saying. This was a bad situation to begin with. People put themselves, the guy put himself in that situation. I think it was wrong. I'm just saying when I first viewed it, mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying, James? When I first oh, viewed yeah, no, it. Oh, yeah, no, I got what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, it's just that I, I, I really, look, we take every, every time, look, you know this, come on. 
Every person that's ever been arrested is innocent. They're going to tell you they were only following the law. They were doing it this way. They took advantage of a loophole, or they did it this way. And, of course, what happens? They usually get convicted of it, you know? And it's just that this, to me, done the right way is a good protection for people's civil rights. Done the wrong way, it's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. And, you know, it, it, it should be applied to everybody. I don't know the cases that you're talking about that you said, you know, that in rural areas it might not be or urban areas. I'd, I'd love to see that. But I just think that we really have to be careful because we allow too many people to bend these things and not follow them to what they're really meant to be. And in the long run, it's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt us. Well, I think that I should be the only one allowed to carry a gun. Then everything, everybody be safe. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this, James. Uh, just say I see a dude with Green Bay Packers gear on, and I'm a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. You have the right. To can can I yourself. can I be feel reasonable fear of my life when I see that? It just depends. If that guy's me, <laughs> you might not want to try it. <laughs> yeah, shoot me with, his, with my own gun. He's I don't want to stand that ground. He's already said he's a, he's already said he's a martial art expert. Yeah, we're gonna put that in the trial right there. <laughs> No, I didn't say it as a, I was an expert. Uh, you know, I, I can handle myself I, I, I pretty well. I think I got it here. I, I think I got it here on my phone. So I almost spent thousands of dollars on a martial arts education, but then I figured I could spend 500 bucks on a gun yeah. and level yeah, the playing yeah, field in yeah, two yeah. seconds, yeah. which is kind of what I like about it. I wasn't really a gun guy until uh, the Aurora, Colorado shooting. Jim and I have had this conversation, and my thought was I wish there was a good – if my kids are in there, I wish there was a good guy with a gun. And then an overwhelming sense of – you know, that's your responsibility. Those are your kids. You should be the good guy with a gun for other people, you know. Uh, that's until the, until the shooting in Aurora, I was not terrible. I, I shot a bunch of guns, but I was never really a, a concealed carry guy until after that. It just uh, it struck me that those that those uh, gun-free zones are, are like a magnet for bad guys, you know. Well, yeah. It was really funny that 10 years before Aurora, I went to the movies with a friend of mine. And uh, it was a midnight show, and his son was with us. He was 16 years old at that time. And when I got out of the car, while pulling my shirt down over my gun, my friend happened to see my gun and goes, you got a gun on? And I went, yeah. I, I said, it's better to have it, not need it, than need it, not have it, you know. And he said, my 16-year-old son's with us, you know. <laughs> you, you, are you going to shoot him? And I was like, really? You know, uh, you know, I know how to operate a handgun here. Ten years later, after Aurora happened, he shot me over a text and said, 10 years ago, I complained about you having a gun. I was wrong. Yeah. And, and so, you know, look, it, it, it does happen. It, it, you know, we, ha we should be thinking of protecting our family. I know James protects his family. I mean, I know him. I, I know that he's going to do everything he can. You're going to do everything you can. Jeff is going to do everything he can. So how do we protect our family? Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not a martial arts guy. I'm you know? disabled now. I'm I really yeah. even you know, I couldn't fight like I could 4 years ago. Yeah, I mean, we have to have these rights to be able to protect ourselves. And, we just go ahead. You know, Jim, not to cut you off, but I'll tell you this. I mean, um so, you know, I I train jiu-jitsu and that's, you know, one of the the arts that that um is is to me, it's it's one of the top top you know, sports, uh, with combat sports, because, you know, obviously most fights end up on the ground, um, you know, and it doesn't matter what your size is. Uh, when you, when you know the art, when you train the art, you can overcome someone much bigger than you think things of that nature. Well, my professor at my gym, the very first thing he teaches the, the, the folks who come in and they ask him about self-defense, 
he will tell you flat out, look, the best self-defense is not jujitsu. It's not Kung Fu. It's not boxing. It's not Muay Thai. It's not all these other, these other, um, um, types of martial arts. He, he will tell you, look, the, the first level is, yeah, if you have a gun, that's probably going to be your best self-defense. Yeah. Because if you look at it now in society, it doesn't matter what your size is. Right. is you don't know if the person in front of you has something, you know, in their waistband or, you know, in their, in their shoe or whatever that uh, can end you before you get your hands on. And right. I, I joked about Antifa earlier, but the truth is it's probably why it doesn't happen in places like Texas and Florida, because you, we never know when we're in the mall, uh, we never know who who's carrying and who's not carrying. But let me just say, and James, please continue in a sec. El Paso, listen, you have 1,500 people inside a, 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 Kmart, a Walmart and nobody has a gun. People had guns in there that day. It has come out that people had guns in there that day. They didn't know how to use them. Yeah. They were afraid just like anybody else would be. They'd never been in a situation like that where a guy is walking through and, and you know, randomly shooting people. There were guns in there. It's just that it was all self-preservation. That's all they thought about, getting their families out of there. It's kids' day. They're doing – That's you know, when that's when deeper training comes in into exactly. effect. All the, uh, exactly. Exactly. All the real and, heavy and, training. And, and to go back to what, James, James you were saying about the, the martial arts, I, I think you got to go past that step. I think your teacher needs to say that the best weapon you have is your mind and really get yourself out of that situation, you know, if you can. You know, not, not you know, ju just like we were talking about the one in Pinellas County, that should have never happened because he overloaded his mind and thought he was a bigger, tougher guy than he really was. Look, he's spending 20 years in the penitentiary for what he did. You know, I, I, I have no sympathy for him because – he didn't use his mind. I mean, that's that really is your most powerful tool when you get into situations like that. Why escalate it any more than it already is? The yeah. the the shooting in Tampa, the guy escalated it. You know, you could have moved to a different location in that movie. The previews hadn't even started, and you're wanting to start a fight with a guy. Really? You know, it just it, it, George Zimmerman. The reason why he went through what he he is going through is because he did not listen to sound judgment of telling him to get back up on his porch, yep. to get back in his house and let the police handle it. So when we have these people out here that don't think sensible, reasonable, this is what they're going to have happen to them, you know? Well, and Jim, that's the point. And, and like I was saying, you know, I was kind of uh, uh, truncating what, what, what my yeah, professor I know, I know. At, at the yeah. gym says. But what, 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 that was the point. The point is, look, if you're going to defend yourself, uh, don't rely on your physical attributes or your your knowledge with uh, this sport to be the thing that saves you. This is one thing that you need to learn right. so that if you don't have anything else, then at least you can protect yourself or, or protect someone else with, with what you have. And even with the, the, the George Zimmerman um, uh, scenario that we were talking about, um, now obviously we didn't see what happened uh, during, you know, between those apartments and, and, and what happened, but we did see what George Zimmerman looked like after uh, the entire incident when they brought him in. And I mean, he was beat up, right? Yeah. And so obviously he had some hands put on him and it was after he took some blows that he, you know, was able to, you know, in his version, protect himself or, you know, obviously if, if, if Mr. Martin was still around, he would say, you know, pull the gun on. We don't, you know, even if you follow his version, he says, look, I was becoming, you know, I was, I succumbed to this under other individual Martin and I had to shoot it. Right. 
Um, and so again, it didn't matter if Martin was bigger than him or if he was smaller than him or whatever. Um, he had that that one equalizer sure. that most folks, like you were saying, in that situation where the guy is in, in Texas just pumping out rounds in, in the Walmart, um, it does come back to training. It does come back to, uh, you know, how many times, you know, if you're, if you're going to conceal carry, I'll, I'll give you a story. I, I got my concealed carry uh, a couple years ago and um, it was more based off of some of the interactions I was having with folks in, in the legal practice. I would go to their homes to sign them up or I would go to their homes to give them a check, things of that nature. And uh, one day I went to a client's home who I thought was, um, you know, and, you know, was very happy with the result. He had to be ecstatic. I got him a nice six figure result. And so I was going to this guy's house to have him sign off on the paperwork so that I could even give a little bit of extra touch to it. Um, but I, I went in there naive, not thinking about a lot of his background stuff, the stuff that he told me about, you know, having a criminal past or having, you know, some gang affiliation, things of that nature. And so he saw this as an opportunity to see if he could pump some more money out of the situation. And so while I'm sitting in his living room, he starts talking about how nice my car is outside or, you know, um, that, you know, he could have me followed if I didn't put three more grand into his settlement, you know, and, you know, so that he could cover tax titles and fees on a new car that he was trying to get, you know, with his settlement money, all this, you know, kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, how do I get out of this situation to where, I'm out of this guy's house and, you know, if this goes south, how do I get, how do I go back to home with my family? Right. Um, and it was at that moment where I realized, look, you know, it doesn't matter uh, how tough you think you are or, you know, um, how much trust you may have in, in people uh, as, as just who they are. It, it comes down to, you know, you having the knowledge, the foresight, and like you said, using your brain to understand that, there are risks and dangers that you need to protect yourself from or protect your family from. And so now I carry not because I'm, you know, trying to, to, you know, continue being that big bad guy. It's more so, no, I understand that regardless of my physique, regardless of, of, of you know, how I can handle myself, you know, on the mats, um, somebody may have that equalizer, right? And if I don't have that to protect myself or others, um, then you're automatically at a disadvantage. Well said. Well said. Well, I think the uh, hold on a second to put myself on camera. I want to thank you guys. We, we're way over an hour now. It's they always seem to go very quickly, don't they, Jim? Yeah, they uh, do. And we uh, we didn't go down any major rabbit holes, which so we were actually very professional, uh, which is unique for the God Logic project. I think I want to thank you guys for watching. Uh, please, of course, subscribe, share any God Logic content you see on social media. Continue to shop at Amazon. Click the go to Godlogic Project first. Click the Amazon logo. It's not a lot, but it, it doesn't take a lot to run this. But it does come out of my pocket. Uh, and I'm going to go around the table here. I'm going to I'm going to have everybody give their last two cents. I'm going to start with James. James, you have the floor, buddy. Uh, any advice you want to give uh, the globe, the world, uh, on on Second Amendment laws in the United States and Florida? Well, like I said, I mean, um, the main thing is most folks who uh, are going to respect um, not only the Constitution, but the laws of their state. Uh, folks who are reasonable, you know, we've been talking about reasonable folks, they're going to follow those guidelines. They're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to go take that extra step to 
you know, go through the background checks, get carry concealed weapons permits, um, get the training, you know, find somebody like Jim who's, who's, who can teach you how to use it, mm. things like that. Um, you know, so the main thing that uh, I want folks to take away from it is, you know, the rhetoric aside, the politics aside from reasonable gun laws and all those other things, um, it's a challenge that won't just happen automatically. It's a challenge that uh, is a high burden uh, to change, uh, you know, something that is a constitutional right. And so if you feel that you you're, uh, you want to do something about this or you, you want to be adamant about it, you have to stay involved. You have to stay informed. When elections happen or, you know, cases are going on, you should be reaching out to your local government. You should be voting. You should be doing things to make sure that you protect those interests because, like we've all said here, there are other parties and other interests that want to invade that right, and there are other p people who want to take it from you. But if we just sit there or we don't do anything about it, obviously you're allowing it to happen. So it's it's more so not being apathetic about it and actually taking a stance one way or the other. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. And it's, it's important, I think, the training, and you and I kind of talk about this all the time, but the training is critical. And it's, uh, uh, it's not just a matter of firing a gun once to get your concealed carry, but you've got to be used to. Uh, when I first time I shot in some advanced training and I had guys next to me firing a weapon that I don't know and we're a foot apart, uh, I was very nervous for the first 20 minutes. I was really uncomfortable doing those drills. And, and in the end, it was, it, you know, you get used to it. But that's the kind of thing that your laser tag, your laser shot uh, training super critical because i've done that and it's 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 that's a lot of pressure even though it's only a a, a simulation the uh so jim what do you got I, to say I, to the I, world i'm coming back <laughs> i was just sitting back on that uh you know i i, I just want to say this that um uh, back when the original the first die hard movie came out i was coming home and i almost shot my paper boy really and it was it would have been justifiable uh, i could have Walked, walked any jury through what happened. He was coming out of my door. He had a black Raiders jacket, hoodie on. It's in July, you know, and uh, he had something in his hand. Uh, a, a, a date was with me, saw the thing in, her, in his hand, thought it was a firearm, started to step behind me, and as I came up with my weapon, to, I, I was going to shoot him. Uh, he, I, if I'd had a Glock, I'd have killed him. I had a Smith that had a long trigger pull. Um, he said, are you going to shoot the paper boy? And when he told me what had happened, everything he did was justified. He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. It's just the moment, the moment that it happened, everything that happened, what he had in his hand that was black and big was his collection book. Remember in the yeah. old days? Yeah, I used to be we, a paper boy. Yeah, I did too. I, in fact, I like this kid, yeah. you know, but I would have had to have lived with that for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, because in my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to drive this guy through, you know, my neighbor's plate glass window. You, you know, we're going to make sure the threat's out of the way. But I, I, I knew in my mind that I would have had to have lived. I mean, I woke up. That woke me up a, a, a long time, you know, where I had shot this kid. I would have been justified. People don't understand what happens when you pull that trigger. Yeah. Your life completely changes, period, period. It is a huge responsibility. It is. It is. It is just the the really one of the biggest responsibilities you'll it's ever have. Not for everybody. Have. It really is. It is not. And when children find the guns and accidentally kill one of the other kids, because these people are not, 
you know, reasonable, well, let's get into the word reasonable, or not doing it the right way. These are things that just tear us apart. Yeah. So if we're going to continue to have this great, you know, right, we have to make sure that we do it the right way and we have to be responsible gun owners. And so, you know, that's just kind of my thing. If you're going to have a gun, go get the training. Yeah. Go do the shooting. Go with friends and do some competition. Go have a good time with it. But remember, if you ever have to use it, your life changes forever, yeah. forever. So, you know, just that's just something I, I want everybody to really think about because it will change you. I don't know anybody that's, that's fired a gun for the first time while I was there and weren't shocked at the amount of power that's generated. It's not like the movies. I, mean, I you, take you, friends you, all yeah. the time who have never shot, and they're just, yeah. you know. And it's exhilarating, and it's amazing, uh, but it's, it's deadly. There's no doubt about it. Well, Jeff, you are running for Pasco County Commission. And we are actually, we met because we were, we're going to do a show with you, so that's pretty cool. But uh, what would you say to your, your, your potential constituents about their Second Amendment rights here in Pasco County? Uh, mainly, like uh, James had said earlier, uh, definitely vote for people who are going to protect those rights because yeah. you do not want to have to fight to get them back and take it all the way to the Supreme Court. Once they're gone, they ain't coming back. That's right. That's right. So... Hang on to every one of them that you can. And, uh, you know, always, uh, to Jim's point, be responsible yeah. uh, with your gun ownership. Get that training so that if you're ever carrying that gun and you are that good guy with the gun, that you're actually prepared to protect yeah. somebody and you can mentally come to terms with the situation that you're in um, and just... I know as a dad that I'm usually if I'm in a crowded environment, even with all of the things that have happened out in Vegas and stuff like that, I walk into a place and there's a crowd and I'm with, even if it's just my wife, I'm checking out where's my other exits, Yep. yep. you know, just as just, just be aware of where you can to get out of those situations, uh, whether you're armed or not. And, you know, when I was taking martial arts, it was your best defense is your feet. Yeah. Get, get the hell out of there. Get out of a situation whenever you can. Now, if you're defending somebody else, you can't yeah. do that, or you shouldn't do that. But uh, anyway, just protect your rights and be responsible and train. Know how to use your weapon. Well, look forward to Jeff Miller's very own episode on 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 Pasco politics or local politics. I'm a big I'm a big uh, bring the politician the political power back to the people whenever possible. I'm not a big federal government guy. Uh, so I like the idea of uh, of, have, of talking local government. I'm looking forward to doing that episode. Uh, here's, the, here's the catch. Now, while I'm clearly blessed with stunning good looks, I'm not very bright, and I usually plug my next episode at the end of every episode. Unfortunately, I'm not sure what the next episode is. So back. <laughs> we're not going to be doing that tonight. Uh, but that's the God Logic Project for tonight. I thank you guys for, for viewing. Please share, uh, comment. If you give it a thumbs down, by the way, give me a thumbs up because it helps the al algorithms. But if you give it a thumbs down, give me a comment, too. I'd like to know what you didn't like about the show. And if no one's told you they love you today, God loves you, and so do we. Receive that, be blessed, and we'll speak soon. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the God Logic Project. And if no one's told you they love you today, God loves you. So do I. See that. Be blessed. We'll speak soon. This has been a Rev Kev production. Your mileage may vary. Shut up, Kevin.